0: thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the arms movement like project live episode 31. And this is coming to you from the little heart studios in beautiful Amherstburg, Ontario. This is your platform, Windsor Essex, your chance to interact with folks who are making our community a better place. This is the place where the good comes before the news. And we are 31 episodes and counting in this live stream podcast that continues to, I would say, reverberate in the digital airwaves of Windsor and Essex County. So very happy to have you along for the ride tonight. And uh, we've got not one, not two, but three amazing guests that are going to join us in just a few moments here on the show from the Hiatus House, uh, organizations that uh, I have a deep respect for. And I think a lot of folks in our area need to know about the good that they're doing here in Windsor-Essex. But as always, we've got lots to talk about and some great guests to recap. Episode 30, we welcomed Kyle Brickman to the show. He is an associate professor of the Odette School of Business at the University of Windsor to talk about workplace culture. And then coming up next week, the man, the myth, the legend, Professor Zaw, as he's known in these parts, Dean Lister, is going to join us to talk about what makes Windsor pizza so damn good. And you've seen the videos, you've heard people talk about Windsor pizza, you've actually heard people deliver pizza from Windsor-like to out west, Well, Dean is going to join us from Armando's live Uh, next Tuesday night to talk a little bit about his award-winning pizza and more. So I wanted to also talk a little bit about what's been happening on the show. We've got a couple of ways that you can support some fantastic organizations, and we want you to comment on the live stream. We are live on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and we're live on Twitter with the rebroadcast happening on uh, YouTube and on our podcast page, which is on Spotify, Rich joining the show today saying, glad to see the ABP going strong. Thank you for watching as always, Rich. But uh, my guests tonight uh, are part of a team of individuals who are working to make Windsor-Essex a safer place, a better place for women, children, and in some cases, men as well, who utilize their facility. Uh, They have been essentially a godsend to so many folks who are fleeing domestic violence here locally And they've been somebody that uh, I've certainly covered over the years in my tenure in broadcast media, but somebody, uh, an organization that uh, certainly in the last probably couple of years I've worked really closely with too. So joining me on the show tonight is Sylvie, Genevieve, and Maggie from the hiatus House, sort of the uh, Brady Bunch, as it were, with the four (laughs) live streams here. To all three of you, thank you so much for spending some time with me tonight, and uh, welcome to the project. Good to see you all.
1: Thanks, Thanks Art. Good to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Oh, my absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, getting to know, I mean, I've certainly known Maggie through the years, uh, but, you know, getting to know Sylvie and getting to know Genevieve and some of the work that we've been doing at Royal Page Binder Real Estate with the team uh, at Hiatus House and the important work that you guys are doing uh, to help folks here locally. But um, Sylvie, we'll start with you. I know that you've come in into this position uh, in a leadership position for the Hiatus House coming in during a pandemic as well. Um, doing some research on your professional career. And I have to say, uh, I'm in awe of some of the outreach work that you've done for populations, specifically Indigenous populations, before coming to this position, but certainly working within the realms of the healthcare setting. Um, let's talk about that transition uh, for you coming into the hiatus house and, and taking on uh, a cause that is certainly uh, a big one and and one that needs to be talked about and sort of illuminated on and we'll talk about what's coming up in the month of november but how did you find that transition coming into the hiatus house and and taking that experience that wealth of experience that you have
2: well i, I came as you know i came in at an interesting time because the, the pandemic was in full swing and it was early days of pandemic so uh it was a little bit strange to say the least i think that um you know i wasn't always sure if the conversations we were having at the table were conversations about the pandemic, or about everyday operations. So that was interesting. And and I, I've done uh, a lot of work over the years. I've worked most of my career in mental health and addictions. I've worked with the Indigenous community uh, coming from out, out, uh, up north. So I'm originally from Timmins. And, um, you know, way back, I actually started in a, in a CMHA that was uh, had oversight for a women's shelter in Timmins. And so it's sort of coming full circle, coming back to my roots. Uh, working uh, with you know with with women and uh, around family violence and the things that happen there.
0: When you get to hit the ground running in in a certainly a unique time, and I've I've always said that it's been sort of like the overarching theme of the show has been talking to all of my guests about how the pandemic has certainly changed them on a personal level and then on a professional level, really reinventing how we do things on a day to day basis. What do you think? was the biggest challenge so far in terms of not only coming into a new position, but also, I guess, modifying the services and what, what you folks do at the hiatus house, uh, during quote unquote, and I hate to use the term, these unprecedented times.
2: Right. So the, um, in terms of the, the what was challenging. So, you know, the rules were changing all the time. So we, we would, um, we would get the team in a place where we were doing a certain piece of work and and the legislation would change or the health unit would change direction. Uh, COVID has really taught us, I think, to uh, be able to think quickly on our feet and and to really be flexible in terms of how we do things. I mean, ultimately the goal was to keep people safe from the virus, you know, in, in the context of the pandemic, but at Hiatus House, the team that's the team's business. So people are thinking in terms of safety from the beginning. So I think some of the transitions, and it started happening before I got there, and Genevieve did a lot of that work. Um, the, the transition maybe wasn't as hard for this group as it may have been for some others, because safety is always sort of the context within which we work. Uh,
0: Genevieve, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Second of all, um, tell me about your experience at the hiatus house, doing what you do from a clinical lens, but but certainly... Uh, you know, one of the things that I kind of shocked me when I was on site, uh, I think it was back in May, Maggie, probably May, when I was doing a bit of filming for Royal Page Binder, because we have our big golf tournament that benefits the Hiatus House. Uh, and we really wanted to showcase some of the great work that you folks are doing and, and showcase the facility and the involvement. But some of the stats that really shocked me were uh, the amount of people that were using the Hiatus House, especially during the uptick during the pandemic, too. From a clinical lens and, and, and you being involved, describe that whole process and, and, and those numbers that uh, continue to be reflective of why the hiatus house is so um, essential to Windsor-Essex.
1: Yeah. uh, Again, thanks for uh, having us. And, uh, you know, pre-COVID, I mean, um, um, violence against women, um, I mean, it's been going on for centuries and uh, it's, it's been a, you know, an issue in, um, in Windsor-Essex, in, in, in Canada and all over the world. In fact, uh, the World Health Organization says that one in three women are in abusive relationships. And uh, that certainly holds true. In terms of locally, I can tell you, I mean, at Hiatus House, we see on average about, you know, anywhere between 2,200 to 2,500 crisis calls. Um, Sometimes they're from the, you know, women calling directly. Sometimes they're from family members that are calling, uh, from service providers. Um, in terms of our shelter, uh, you know, we see, you know, anywhere between, um, I would say, 200, 250 women to about 200 kids a year. Um, but what I can tell you is at the, at the start of the pandemic, uh, because of the f- fear of uh, contracting COVID, um, our numbers actually dropped. Um, so we, we, can, uh, we have the capacity to serve 42 women and children in the shelter. So, and because of physical distancing requirements uh, and all of the public health measures that we had to put in place, we had to reduce our shelter capacity to six, uh, then we were able to increase it. So the numbers actually, um, you know, cause people fear of the unknown did not access our shelter. They did access our crisis line, uh, but the numbers did drop. But then as the restrictions with COVID had lifted, we did see an increase um, in the numbers. Uh, but every time there would be a lockdown, we did see a dip. Um, I can tell you today with a lot of the restrictions having been lifted, um, we are, um, at near capacity. Um, we are because of public health, uh, regulations and, uh, all of the public health measures. Um, we are still not able to at the shelter. We were able to increase our shelter capacity to 12 and, um, Um, And then the other uh, women that we assess to be at low risk, um, or that are, let's say, getting ready to depart um, into, uh, let's say, uh, a new home, uh, we're able to access a a local hotel, um, you know, to serve them. Uh, But our numbers are, I would say, back to pre-pandemic levels. And as you know, um, you know, during the pandemic, especially during the lockdowns, it wasn't safe for women to be at home because that's where their abusive partners are. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it in itself was a shadow pandemic uh, in that safe, you know, is where, uh, sorry, the abuse, um, the the abuse was happening at the home. And so it was very difficult for women to access our services, uh, but they did the best they could during the, especially during the lockdowns.
0: Yeah. I, I get goosebumps thinking about, the challenges that somebody who's in an abusive relationship is already in that sort of mindset, I would think that they need to take that first step, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you're in a global pandemic where they're telling you to shelter in place.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you're in a relationship where your partner is physically, uh, and, and in many cases, verbally abusive. And you might be on that cusp to say, my God, I need to get out of this situation for my son, my daughter, for my own sanity but I can't go anywhere because of a pandemic. Right. I, I, it, it shocks me in, in that particular realm that, you know, I would imagine that there's still that, that sort of jump and, and will catch you feeling right. When a lot of these folks start to make that, that progress to come to you and say, you know, I need to flee this particular situation. But in those situations where there was, like you had said, that dip, when the lockdowns came, um, my heart goes out to those folks, right? It mm-hmm. goes out to those kids that are in those particular situations where they know that you know maybe mom needs to leave and can't for whatever reason. But uh, I mean, a part of that too is a lot of the 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 telephone work that you folks do, right? And and those initial touch points, uh, whether it is verbal or. Um, I'm hoping in some other cases that maybe Genevieve, you can explain to the public who aren't familiar with the process for IATA's house to really reach out to these folks or those folks who maybe start with a phone call just to mm-hmm. see what the IATA's house is about. Maybe they know they have nowhere else to go. And this is maybe, um, you know, I heard from somebody that I knew who was going through something very similar maybe four or five years ago. It's almost like I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So I might as well at least try. I'm in that particular position. So, what are some of those um, touch points and even that initial conversations? That you have with folks who are looking to get that help?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the, our, 24 hour helpline, we, you know, is, is I would say um, a great place to start. You can call anonymously um, and, you know, um, and, and start sharing your story, like really um, that's the first step is to reach out and ask for help. And it takes tremendous amount of courage. And so um, we have professionally trained counselors. We have an amazing team of dedicated staff who are there to listen, uh, you know, to believe um, and to help women identify, uh, you know, what is it that they need? um, What resources, you know, can we offer them? It really starts with uh, where she's at. If, If it's the woman calling, sometimes we have family members calling. Sometimes we have service providers calling. They don't know what to do. And really, our, our staff um, are there to, um, you know, uh, say, create a personalized safety plan for that person. Uh, but most importantly, to um, help them, you know, navigate to through whatever it is that they need. Sometimes they need a safe place to stay. Sometimes they, uh, they may have a safe place to stay. Uh, they've left an abusive relationship, but they need ongoing counseling. So not only for themselves, maybe for their children. So one, one thing that uh, Hiatus House provides that a lot of other organizations don't is that we service all family members who've been impacted by domestic violence. So we provide shelter, we provide a 24 hour helpline. We also provide counseling for the children. We do also provide counseling for men who um, are the abusive persons. And what we do is that goal of that program is To encourage men to take responsibility for the violence and to stop the violence because at the end of the day in order to end violence against women we have to provide services to the men so that uh, the violence stops and uh, we also provide um, a family court support worker program to help women navigate through the complex you know family court system and we provide transitional housing support so it really depends on what it is that they need. But our professionally trained counselors are there uh, to provide, uh, you know, a compassionate ear to uh, help them, uh, you know, decide. But really, it's up to them to decide, to, but to identify what is it that they need and how can we best help them uh, based on what that need is. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, you know, um it really depends on uh, what it is they need. But most importantly, our goal is to help enhance their safety as best as we can. And and we don't do this work alone. We do it with our community partners. Um, and, you know, I don't know, Sylvia, if you wanted to talk about all of our community partners that we are part of through the Violence Against Women Coordinating Committee. Uh, we rely on, you know, police, um, you know, the criminal justice system, uh, victim services, um, Various agencies um, to help us, uh, you know, work together to create safe uh, environments and uh, create a a life free of violence for all family members who've been impacted. Because it's a a community issue and uh, ongoing societal issue that uh, we all have to work together.
0: Yeah, and kudos to you. I mean, I I said this to Sylvie at the... um... Royal page binder golf tournament uh for the hiatus house when we had a chance to talk at one of the golf holes and i said kudos to you for your leadership team to have that insight that you don't operate in a silo mm-hmm. right i think that uh, that happens so often and during multifaceted uh, uh projects and organizations where sometimes we, we we sort of work in a silo but I, you have so many of those partnerships sylvia that uh I, I would think it would be beneficial because instead of everybody sort of do running in every direction, it's, you know, you're all working toward that common goal. And when you're able to work with uh, individuals like uh, victim services, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Windsor police too, that all is a part of that puzzle that forms that picture of, you know, that individual case by case basis that you may see come into the hiatus house.
2: Right. And, and we, you know, we, we see the people who come into services today are, uh, have far, we recognize far better today the complexities that people are facing. So while they come to us, uh, having, um, this acute experience of, of this traumatic experience of family violence, they often have other, um, other struggles as well. So some of them are living with mental illness, some have substance use problems. Um, and, uh, and Genevieve talked a little bit about court support, you know, legal issues and, so when we, we have case managers that will sort of work through these issues with people, figure out what they need. And we're, we're the experts in in family violence, domestic violence, uh, gender-based violence uh, and trauma. But we're not the experts in all these other things. So it's really like about, you know, having a village, right? Um, mm-hmm. Working with people, making sure that everybody comes together to, to offer the best service possible to help people get on their feet and, and to help them feel supported and uh, that we lift them up and um and I think that we we do need to do this together and there's there's lots lots of different um, there's lots of work to do for all of
0: us and it's interesting, Sylvia, that you say that too, because I think you know when certainly from from a lens of um, you know working together congruently with other organizations and you know Windsor police as well to sort of uh, determine where the need is, how it's not just necessarily putting a band aid over it right it's really going like you had said with that education piece with with uh men who instigate the uh, the violence as well it's actually going to the root of the problem and and addressing that and that is a lot of the the outreach that i'd like to talk about too coming up in the next little bit but i mean just to go back genevieve to some of the counselors like god bless them right Mm -hmm. i mean i mean really from that touch point from when they get that initial phone call uh to working with the folks who come into the uh, the shelter itself through, they make that decision. This is the start, right? This is the beginning yeah. of the healing process. But I, I've i said that many times when you're dealing with people who are on that sort of level of trauma that come in,
1: yeah.
0: um, you know, that takes a certain kind of dedication. And I think uh, certainly a lot of heart uh, and compassion, which is like, I think the underscore underscoring theme uh, to deal with somebody who at their very worst is looking for somebody like Sylvie said, to, to sort of pick them up.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, it, the, the trauma that they've experienced, right. Is tremendous. And, um, you know, depending on how long they've endured the severity of the violence. Um, but you know, what I can tell you is that, um, the, the majority of the women that we see the most common trauma that, that they've experienced is as a result of the emotional, psychological abuse, the isolation, and especially with the pandemic that has just amplified, um, And, you know, I would say, you know, fear obviously is the common denominator in terms of their partner trying to uh, instill that fear and maintain that power control over them. And um, so what the counselors do is, you know, help them understand how they've been impacted. So that's the trauma and, um, you know, help them cope uh, better. We do have a group therapy program called the Women's Fresh Start Program. So in the city and in the county. So our shelter just, I didn't explain this earlier. Um, so anybody, we are we are the only shelter uh, designated for violence against uh, women uh, in Windsor and Essex County. So if a woman is in Windsor or anywhere in Essex County, Leamington, Amherstburg, Bell River, LaSalle, Essex, needs a safe place to stay, all they have to do is call us. We will transport them free of charge Oh, by the way, there's no cost for any of our programs um, except for the Men's Fresh Start program. And I'll talk about that later. Uh, But they just need to call 24 hours a day. Uh, But we have group therapy. Uh, We have satellite offices in the county. We don't have a shelter. That's certainly one of our, uh, you know, hopes uh, one day to expand because we are, as a community, we are underserved, underserviced. We only have 42 beds. So, you know, I'm not... sure the exact population, but let's say it's at least 400,000. You might know this arms. (laughs) Um, You know, we don't have enough beds to really serve the needs of what we're seeing. And we're just touching the surface, really. Not everybody calls us. Um, And, you know, not everybody comes to access our our shelter. I don't know if you know this, but around 11 to 13% of women who do call access our shelters. Um, and so the others are, might be accessing some of our community programs, which we offer as well. But we do have a capacity issue uh, at the end of the day when you, when you, when you factor our population size. So, you know, this is something we've been working on for years and we hope one day to expand, um, uh, those our our services so that, um, we, uh, we have more spaces. Housing obviously is a big issue. Um, you know, we don't have second stage housing here in Windsor-Essex, so uh, I can talk to you all night about um, our needs, but we, you know, as Sylvie said, you know, it takes a village, right, as a community, and I know Maggie's going to be talking about that as well. Um, we are, we, you know, we rely on all of our community partners. We we have a partnership with uh, Multicultural Council of Windsor-Essex to provide interpreters you know, given um, our diverse community, making sure that, you know, we have, we do everything we can.
0: Yeah. And I think that's crucial to know too. I mean, we have such great resources. I know from certainly uh, my nine to five, uh, you know, at the Humane Society too, I know we do work congruently with you folks uh, in sort of that pet transition uh, because, you know, our furry friends are very much considered parts of the family too. And when the family is coming to you folks, um, I know that I said to our executive director, Melanie, I said, listen, I have the, the team from my I house on tonight. Just give me a scope of what we do. Again, I'm I'm relatively new to the, but my position too. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're able to have that sort of synergy and that connection between yeah. the organizations. But, you know, to, to just to rewind it just a bit here, Genevieve, and, and certainly Sylvie too. And Maggie, I promise we're going to get to you because we've got lots to talk about for fundraising. No <laughs> we'll get all those ideas coming up. And, uh, you know, but, you know, it's funny you should say like – you know, so often we think of Windsor proper, right? And Mm -hmm. I hate using that term, but Windsor proper is like Windsor, but it's not just Windsor anymore, right? Like there's Amherstburg, LaSalle, you have all these different municipalities and really Leamington. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I would think, you know, some folks, you know, if you take the drive out to Leamington, it's 45 minutes, fine. But sometimes I would think in some cases that may be a barrier, right? For that 45 minute drive to say, I need to flee, but I can't, for what, you know, for whatever reason I can't afford, I can't find I I don't have the transportation to get to the hiatus house in Windsor. So I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, forgive me for speaking out of terms. Sylvie, um, you know, Genevieve and Maggie from a fundraising perspective, we can talk about this too. But to have that down the road where you're able to have something to support mm-hmm. those folks, because you know, for 45 minutes, for some folks, no problem, but others, it's that's like half a world away sometimes if you're especially if you're in those those snap yeah. decisions like I gotta flee.
2: Yeah. And and it is, it is a long distance and and people, you know, the more you move people away from the familiar environment as well, right? People want to, it's best to serve people close to what is familiar because if we remove women and they're, I mean, it's only 40 minutes, but for some, that's like, like you say, that's a long way away. And so would be ideal to be able to service people as close to home as possible. And, you know, what, one of the ways I, I know that, um, uh, before I came on board, uh, there was some efforts made to look at uh, developing a shelter in Leamington, and it's still on the table. It is something that we may uh, be working towards in the future. Um, and that um, we also, as Genevieve said, are looking at housing because, you know, possibly we can support uh, women and kids through housing, through through second stage or transitional, that would also give us the opportunity to work more closely, but give people some independence as they uh, transition in into you know in that independence. Um, the other thing that it raises for me as we talk about Leamington is that we have in this area along 401 corridors a lot of instances of human trafficking, and mm-hmm. so we see some of those people as well. And um, and I think that we could you know because of the numbers that we know exist in and around the the area, we could be doing more. And I think that it, you know this. We had extra support in the form of uh, uh, another shelter, in the form of housing. Uh, I don't think that it would be over-serviced by any means. I think it would just sort of get us to to a place that we should be in, in terms of being able to serve um, everybody.
0: Well, I don't think there's any question, um, just hearing the three of you speak and and certainly knowing uh, many of you through professional realms over the years, too, that there's a need for it. I mean, I, I the numbers are there. Um, you know, Genevieve, you talked about diverse communities too. And, you know, I, I, I've i often said many times um, on our live streams um, that Windsor, to me, I mean, most of my family's up on uh, my dad's side, the Filipino side is up in Mississauga. And if you go to Mississauga, I mean, it is, it is very different, <laughs> at least mm-hmm. the last four or five years uh, in terms of the um, cultural diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's nice to see Windsor sort of, catching up you've got a lot of people who are uh, coming from up the 401 so to speak coming to Windsor planning routes here especially with remote work but with that also comes um, and I don't want they're not language challenges but it's just thinking outside the box right Mm -hmm. I mean from a humane society perspective for us too like we had our first microchip drive-through clinic in Leamington And, uh, you know, being very aware of uh, the Spanish speaking population there, it would be a very, Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a disservice for us not to at least reach out to that community and and reach out to folks who are on the ground level who can help provide those translation services. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's fantastic that you work with MCC to uh, get that sort of lens of uh, multiculturalism uh, to folks who when they need it too. But, uh, you know, before we start talking about, you know, the fundraising and and, and and sort of the ideas are great, but you've got to get the funds to, to back what you guys want to do. Um, I wanted to go back to some of the other forms of that domestic violence that folks mm-hmm. may not necessarily consider mm-hmm. when they hear folks that are f- fleeing from domestic violence, what that would entail. And I know, Genevieve, you talked about, you know, the physical abuse, uh, the emotional abuse, psychological abuse, mm-hmm. but two that really... Uh, speak I think and you hear about this often I think more and more in this in in the digital age is one digital abuse right yeah, yeah. and and financial abuse too in terms yes. of withholding money and that's something that I think um should be talked about a little bit more too about what that mm-hmm. looks like in terms of somebody who may be suffering from that
1: Yeah um you, you know it's it's always um uh just I would say uh it's more common than than you would think but um you know, where uh, abusive partners you know withhold uh, money from their partners. in fact, I can I can think of several women that I worked because I, I used to um, work you know directly with the women, uh, but just through the the staff and 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 the women that we've um, we've served, um, not having access to uh, you know their their partners' bank accounts. Um, you know, uh, limited funds, um, you know, for groceries, not enough to really survive in terms of, uh, uh, you know, just basic needs, I would say. Um, But what, you know, I I can think of a situation where a woman was, you know, married for 35 years and she didn't have access to the bank account. Um, And so really, um, you know, obviously that's an extreme case, but we see it more often than not. Um, And, you know, what we what we do at Hiatus House is um, educate everyone and, um, you know, help them understand what a healthy relationship is, because some of the clients that we've seen, some of the women um, have never experienced a healthy relationship where there's where they're treated with respect 100 percent of the time, where they have equal uh, decisions around money, around finances, around uh, parenting Um, And so, you know, that's part of what we want to do. Right. We want to teach children. We want to teach the uh, um, the women um, and, you know, um, help them recognize that abuse is never okay, and um, and that um, everybody deserves to be in a healthy relationship where there's no violence. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what we promote in every single program and in everything that we do. And I think that's the part that gets missed, but, uh, but the financial abuse, and I would say the isolation, um, you know, preventing her from having access phone, you know, email text, um, you know, having control over that. Um, I would say, um, that's obviously much more common creating fake accounts, uh, monitoring her every move, whether it's through GPS tracking devices. Uh, we've seen that where they've put it in their vehicles. Um, um, so it's, you name it. I mean, it's, uh, it, it happens, right. Because, uh, in this digital world, it's actually easy to do when you think about it. Um, and it, but, but it's, again, it's about that power and control. It's having control over who they see, what they do, how much money they have. That's what it's all about. That's what abuse is.
0: And, and I mean, when you talk about the the children aspect to it, right. And, and having, you mentioned about a lot of the women not knowing what a healthy relationship is. Right. But then I would say scaling it back even to the kids too. So you're able to educate the children and sort of uh, illuminate to them what that looks like as well, in terms of a healthy relationship, because I would, Mm -hmm. you know, kids very much emulate what their parents do. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, my son's going to be four and he mimics everything I do now. It's like, he's like mini me. But when you're able to, teach them right and wrong and then able to say, Hey, this is, this is how it should be Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to this is the normal that you may have experienced. I think I, I I'd assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's, that's part of breaking that cycle, right? Yeah. Because they don't grow up as, you know, men and women thinking, wait a second, this is, this is normal when in fact it is very much
1: not. Yeah. And that's really key that early intervention, because what we have found is that when we teach kids that violence is never okay. And what respect is, and that you know everybody deserves to be treated with respect a hundred percent of the time. And I think what happens sometimes people confuse conflict with violence. Conflict is, you know, um, is is healthy in terms of we're all we're always going to have disagreements. To me, that's what conflict is. Right? Depends how you define. But violence is never okay. You know, whether it's calling somebody a name. You know, you know, taking their money, controlling their money, controlling who they see or what they do. And so it's teaching kids early on. And what we have found is that when we intervene early with kids and, um, you know, they're in safer environments, uh, there's there's less likelihood of those kids, um, you know, thinking that abuse is OK, because what ends up happening is they become desensitized. Right. And they start to think it is OK. Um, and so, and, and there's been a lot of research that's been done to, to show that, you know, if you grew up in a home where you witness, you know, your dad abusing your mom, yes, there's a, there's a higher likelihood that, you know, you're going to, uh, become abusive yourself. Um, and if you're, you know, a, a girl, uh, you know, being raised, witnessing your mom being abused, you might start to think that, well, that's okay, that that's normal, um, And so, you know, so really the goal is uh, to try to break that cycle because it is generational. What we find is that a lot of times kids, um, this is what, you know, I would say is um, we see sometimes where we've seen them as children in the shelter. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, I've been doing this for a long time. uh, We see them as young women who who, um, end up in, in abusive relationships. Um, you know, and so it's, it's about, um, you know, being, helping them understand how they've been impacted as children and how to break that cycle. And, uh, and, and when, and recognizing what those red flags are and recognizing that abusive behavior, um, you know, is, uh, is never Okay.
0: You know, I, I'm just on your site, too, and I've been uh, putting up the, the the site for folks to take a look at. If you know somebody who is in an abusive relationship, highly recommend that you check out their website. It's, a, it's got tons of information, HiatusHouse.com. If you're listening to the podcast after the fact, uh, tons of information on there. They've got a Twitter and they've got Facebook as well. Uh, this, this really, I think, speaks to me about, you know, taking, I had said at the beginning of the show, taking that sort of leap of faith, right? And saying, "Okay, I know that I can't be here anymore, but I know I need to flee." Right? But mm-hmm. this, this really just like I, I, Genevieve, as you're, you're speaking, I was just on the site, and the average woman will make up to five attempts to leave her abuser before mm-hmm. ending the relationship permanently. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I, I'm gonna say that that's like Helen back if, you, if you're thinking about it, because they, I, I think if you're going to, you get to that point, then you start over again, and then the abuser, I would, I would think, is thinking, "Okay, well, I've got them back." right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm, going to kind of mold my strategy to do whatever. But it, it, that's that's emotionally exhausting, yeah. just mm-hmm. hearing five times. But often when they hit that threshold, I'm hoping that's and that's where very much I think where the support of the hiatus house is so crucial. So you're able to guide them because it's not just yeah. a, a one and done situation, right? I would say yeah. it's a constant support that they need. They need to have that reassurance, that, that positivity, um, that reassurance that you know there is life after the the abuse.
1: Yeah, because often, you know, what what women tell us is that they love their partners. They just want the violence to stop. And that's the work. And as you know, you know, um and Sylvie, you know, and Maggie can tell you that you know change takes time. And so what we do is we work with all family members, right? Um, you know, to help them because um You know, they're not abusive 100% of the time, but they are abusive. And so it's about helping, obviously, uh, working with the men who are violent and helping them take responsibility, right? Because that's how change first starts, recognizing that you have an issue and then working with the women, working with the kids to help them, you know, heal from the effects of what they've been exposed to and to break that cycle. And uh, but everybody you know, can play a role in, um, you know, working at, um, you know, trying to live free of violence. And, uh, but it's, it is a, um, it's a, you know, it's an individual community and societal effort and a systemic effort in terms of what, you know, legislation is in place, where we need to go with changing policies and how our whole system from the criminal justice system to, um, you know, the, you know, uh, adopting uh, national action plans on ending violence against women. So it's, you know, I um, I think you know locally, we we can help uh, whoever's calling us. So if if you are being um, if you're being abused or you know somebody who's being abused and you need help, uh, please please contact our 24-hour helpline and we will connect you to what you need.
0: That information, again, is on our, their website, too, hiatushouse.com. Now, Genevieve, you had mentioned you've done this, you've been with Hiatus House for a long time. Um, in your opinion, have have we been doing enough to educate folks? And 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 can we, I mean, obviously, I think we can be doing more, right? And that's where a lot of the mm-hmm. outreach campaigns come in. Obviously, a big month in November coming up, and I want yeah. to talk to Maggie about that, too. But should we be doing more in 2021?
1: Absolutely. I, I would like to, and I think Sylvie and uh, Maggie, um, we've talked about this, uh, prevention. You know, we don't have enough resources, but this is where the education system, you know, how about we start teaching our kids about healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, like, you know, right elementary school all the way through. I know that uh, we have we have a uh, one thing uh, program I, I uh, forgot to mention is our school-based program. We have two therapists who go into the schools and work with kids to help them heal from the uh, uh, you know the effects of uh, domestic violence. And uh, but we don't have so they provide the counseling. But what what would what would be great to see is more prevention in terms of. Um, you know, curriculum that is, I would say, um, you know, in, embedded in the in the education, um, you know, elementary and secondary schools.
2: And, um, and even outside of that, the, the more we talk about it, the more we talk with each other about it and the more we learn about it uh, and get the community talking, which is part of what we're doing with Shine the Light, it, the, the the more we can, the better we can identify it and people will, you know, support one another through it. You know, women can have the conversation and other other people who witness it can bring it up in a, in a gentle way. You know, we can teach people those skills as well uh, in a more general way so that we can also interrupt it. Right. Uh, so teaching kids from a young age, change the patterns and then learn ways to, to interrupt it in the moment.
0: I guess it's it's, you know, to borrow a page out of CMHA. Right. It's it's breaking the stigma. Right mm-hmm. uh, to to say to normalize it and say, hey, wait a second, that's not good. <laughs> like, it's, not okay. it's not like it was in the '80s or in the '70s where yeah. it's like you you turn a blind eye and oh, whatever. It's like no, there's a zero almost a zero tolerance policy. Like if that's right. happening, you need to go and and normalizing that conversation from a societal standpoint to say yes, like you need to have these conversations and for betterment of you and and your children who may be stuck in that relationship. Yeah, yeah, we need to talk about it. Yeah,
1: and we we've had you know uh, the government of Ontario um, had started in the early two thousands the neighbors friends and family campaign which I you may have heard of but it's to educate the public right your neighbors your family your friends about uh, the issue of violence against women and uh, and then the shine the light campaign which Maggie will be talking about um, that's I think we're going on Maggie correct me if I'm wrong are we going on our tenth year I think. Um, it started in London. Um, it's, and, and the whole purpose of the, the neighbors, friends and family campaign and the shine the light campaign is to raise awareness and, and, uh, around the issue, uh, but also to let people know what supports are available in the, in their community. And so, um, uh, but having those conversations, uh, you know, with your friends, your neighbors, your family, um, and when you recognize, you know, uh, that, you know, someone is uh, being abusive or being abused, like it's, it's also talking to the guy who you just witnessed being abusive to his partner. Um, And how do you, you know, what do you say to him, right? And what supports can you offer them? And so this is where, you know, you would contact Hiatus House and, um, and and we can connect them to whatever they, whatever services uh, make sense for them.
0: Shine the light has been something I know uh, certainly I've covered over the years too. And you're, you're right, Genevieve, it's happened. Uh, it's been a recurring uh, awareness campaign, right, here locally mm-hmm. for quite some time. And, and Maggie, I know this is something that you're working hard on. And, uh, you know, to get to a place in maybe five, 10 years where hopefully not that long, where you can say, yeah, we're building a shelter for Essex County. It's happening out in in Leamington, whatever it is, you have to have the support from the community, you have to have the awareness and you have to have the funds coming in too. So um, I know that you've been working hard on the, the whole launch for lighting up the community purple and that'll be coming, I think, November, right? That's that's when things kick off?
3: That's correct. November 1st is the kickoff. Uh, that's the tree lighting at Charles Clark Square where we literally physically light up the tree in purple. And this year, um, something that uh, we've added to that is a candle vigil, a silent vigil from 530 to six prior to the tree lighting, just to commemorate all the individuals that the the women that have literally passed away at the hands of, of, um, you know, physical abuse and domestic violence. So that's something that's new, that's going to be added on to it this year. And then uh, we go to our, our tree lighting And this year, what we've added to it is we've reached out a little bit further, not just the Windsor area, but Windsor and Essex County. So we have representatives from other municipalities joining us. We'll have more buildings lit up in purple this year. And the poster that we're looking at right now, let's light our community purple. That's the call to action to anybody and everybody to light up in purple, whether it's purple lights in your window, lighting the facade of your building, you'll see Caesars. Uh, casino lit in purple in um, November, but it's getting that message out, and this is that's what shine the light on woman abuse, and that's what this is all about. And we can't start to make the inroads to the programming and the the knowledge base awareness that we need until more people are familiar with, you know, what it is that we're trying to do, the programs that are available, where to go for that help, and. Basically, one of the things I first started working on is the whole brand awareness and who is Hiatus House. What is our brand and what is our promise to the community? And that's part of what we're doing.
0: I can I can say from you know uh, a brokerage standpoint, from Roy LePage Binder and, and and working closely with Frank Binder over the last seven months, myself and getting to know him at a personal level too, as somebody who really believes in what Hiatus House is and certainly has over the years contributed to many projects at the Hiatus House, but. Uh, the Royal LePage Shelter Foundation continues to really dive deep into the local communities. And then, you know, speaking to Frank, um, actually last Friday, just before Thanksgiving, uh, you know, we were I was saying that I had the team from, on the show and he was pretty happy about that. And, uh, you know, whatever corporate sponsors can do once they see the work that is being done at the hiatus house um, to sort of facilitate that transition for, for women and children to get to a safe place. Um, I think it's really impactful to see that, but you're right. It is very much getting the brand out there. It's, it's, it's dispelling the stigma and, and it's also educating folks to uh, what you are and and, and what you do. And as you launch this in the month of November, Maggie, I know that you've got buy-in and you've got a lot of things that are not just culminating with that initial lighting of the purpleness across (laughs) Windsor-Essex, right? There's a number of things that are happening.
3: That's correct. We have, we do have our tree lighting and then our next big event. And we talked a little bit about this earlier about uh, pets and animals and what is the the implication if you, if you do have animals and and are faced with domestic violence and that's a brand new event this year called Bark in the Park. It takes place at Lansbury Park on November the 8th from one to five. And it is, um, you know, an opportunity to talk a little bit about, we, we, posted on here, dogs against domestic violence, but very often women will not, will not flee that site, uh, flee their home life out of fear for their pets and what will happen to their pets if they leave. And so we're looking to, to, um, illuminate the, the opportunities that are out there for, you know, if you do need to leave, here are the other opportunities you have, uh, for your pets. Because all of us that have animals know that, you know, there are fur babies. And that becomes a, a, a huge concern and weighs on these people. And I've read um, one of the staff shared with me some, some writings that, that talked about, you know, having somewhere safe to put their pets help save their life. Because that allowed them the freedom to move on and to go to the shelter. And that's imperative.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it, it. Speaks to again the connection between people and animals, and uh, I mean, f- from a humane society perspective, that's that's our mo, right? I mean, it's it's about keeping families together and wor- being able to work with uh, individuals and organizations like yourself. I mean, I think this is going to be a fantastic uh, a day of awareness and and something that folks need to check out. Uh, And I know that, you know, in some capacity, the Humane Society will be helping you with this particular event on Monday, November 8th. So we're really much looking forward to helping out and, uh, you know, being involved in this at Lansbury Park, too, November 8th. And then, Maggie, you've got a couple of other things that are going to be continuing through the month uh, of November to, again, spread that awareness, right?
3: That's correct. November 15th is your Wear Purple Day. Purple is the color chosen uh to depict um you know violence against women and it's a color of courage and that uh, we know that some municipalities are adopting that day as purple day they're encouraging their staff to wear purple take your pictures send them in to us and then thursday november 25th is the raising of the 08th flag it starts uh 16 days of activism against gender-based violence we know here, Saint Clair College will be raising that flag at both their down camp- downtown campus, the South Windsor campus, and the Chatham campus. And that's something new this year that we're very proud of that that relationship and that opportunity to to you know to fly that flag. And once again, it's one more way that we help to to disseminate the information.
2: Maybe I can just uh, mention quickly. Uh, yeah, it's um,
0: I, I'm. Yeah, I, absolutely. By all means, Maggie. Uh, sorry, Sylvie, go ahead. Uh,
2: I just want to mention that um, OWAITH is the Ontario Association of Interval and Transitional Homes. And um, they support all of the VAW shelters across the province through through things like advocacy, uh, training and information. Just, just to give to some context to who they are. One of the uh, sure. projects that they work on is they uh, develop a, um, a femicide report for and um, in that report they they list um, occurrences of femicide across the province and I just you know i did I did have a chance to look at that report recently and in from January to August of this year there were 41 women in that report uh, from Ontario who, who sort of, you know, lost their lives at the hands of their partner. And so I, I, I just wanted to, you know, and this is part of why they're involved with the, with the campaign and, and it's one of the pieces of work that they do. So I just wanted to note that as well.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's, that's crucial information to know. And then you've got the big uh, culmination of the month too, that's happening in uh beautiful town of Amherstburg. It's a little biased because uh, I love the area and I know it's uh a place that, uh, you know, over the years, Maggie, you and I have had many, many fond memories at the Amherstburg Parade. But this is something that I think is going to be really neat to sort of reach out to the community on the, the 27th, right?
3: Absolutely. This is brand new to ha- to uh, ho- Hiatus House this year. And the uh, the staff and our Shine the Light Committee is putting uh, an entry into the Amherstburg Santa Claus Parade. Once again, it's brand awareness. It's getting out there and, uh, you know, giving spectators and giving people the information about where we are, who we are, and, and kind of not necessarily putting a face to a name, but putting a, a reality to the brand and increasing the brand awareness and, and just letting them know that we're there and uh, they're pretty excited about it. It's uh as you well know, arms, I have a, a somewhat soft spot for Santa Claus parades and the Amherstburg one in, in particular, as we are both uh ites, and uh, yeah. live out here. It's a, it's a great opportunity. I'm looking forward to sharing that part of, you know, what I do in, in my other world with the staff. And I think it'll be great fun.
0: I tell people all the time, nobody does a parade like Maggie DeRoche. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a good time. And no, I I I said that to my wife. I said, you know, many moons before I met you. I said, I used to work with Maggie. She'd, she'd sucker me in to go stand in the cold and announce for about three <laughs> hours as the parades come by. But it, it was a good time. And it's, uh, it's great community building, too. And it's great to see Amherstburg's a funny place, right? Um, you know, the other day I was in Sobeys and then I heard, hey, stranger, and I turn around, it's Maggie. And I'm sitting there with Liam and I'm trying to check out in the self-checkout. <laughs> it's, it's a small town with a big town feel, too. So I think it's, it's great that you guys are getting out there, too. And, you know, with a few minutes left to go on the show, Genevieve and, uh, and Sylvie were talking about sort of like the wide spectrum of things down the pipe that are coming, hopefully coming. Uh, ideas that are coming but you can't really have those ideas come to fruition if you don't have your your development folks and, and your fundraising folks hitting the ground talking to um you know getting that brand out there and then working with with individuals and corporations and businesses to say your fundraising dollars come here and this is the direct impact of how you're affecting change people's lives um i know maggie this is something that you're very skilled at and um, I know you continue to develop for the hiatus house too with, you know, working with businesses here locally to sort of, um, you know, get them involved, you know, from a Royal Page standpoint too, just get them involved into the community and, and, and show the work. I know that uh, Frank was saying to me that we're very excited to be a part of the playground and, 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 and that whole piece. And then the kitchen that's going to be coming up as well at the hiatus house with some of the donations that are coming in.
3: It, it is important. And we, we are currently, Working with a, a new cadre of of uh, sponsors that have never been part of some of our our plans before, and the most important thing with with donors on any level, no matter if they give you ten cents or ten million dollars, is to, to help to convey to them the impact of their donation. And and one of the things as I as I'm working on the Christmas letter this this year is is talking about every single donation matters because. Donors give because they believe that that their donation is making a difference. So it's conveying how that donation is impacting our ability to do what it is that we do that is so important. And uh, I have been uh, sincerely overwhelmed by the the response of the community that that I've seen so far, Um, just the calls that we get. And, you know, but then I, I... as I'm working on, obviously, as you know, when you're working on a grant, you're telling your backstory and I'm I'm talking about and, and writing about for the perspective of a mom that's come in and, you know, maybe it's two o'clock in the morning and she's got her little ones by the hand and that these counselors are the first people that she's seeing. And it's the first step to putting dignity back into their lives now that they've made this big change. And it's conveying how that feels to 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 a prospective donor, that is is, you know the work that I'm 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 currently uh, pretty much engrossed with because I think it's so important and that story is so important to tell and the impact is you know it's it's huge.
0: Uh, I love it and 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 I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's that storytelling piece, right? And it's how do you take that content. Um, Cause you guys live it and you work it and you, you know it. I mean, Genevieve has been there for many years. You you've seen it and the stories. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Genevieve could tell, um, could fill books. Right. And, and, and Sylvia, with your experience, Maggie, with your experience here in the community too, it's, it's just, how do you convey that from an, from an aspect, from a donor's perspective to say, yeah, you know what? I can get behind this. Right. Like I get it. Like I, I might know somebody or mm-hmm. I, you know, a donor might say, I, I was, I, I came from that particular situation. Right. Or my mom. I think it's I think it's amazing what you guys are doing, and uh, if if there's one thing that uh, I would like to you know convey to you is that if you guys don't hear thank you from the community enough, let me be the first to say it. So thank you for doing what all three of you do to continue to provide safe shelter for women and children and men um, as they turn a new page and and start their start a good life. Right. So uh, to thank you to all three of you for doing what you do and being such a vital piece of Windsor Essex. So thank you.
2: And and thanks for having us on the program and giving us some space to to share that story and and to talk to people about the work that we do, because we do believe it's
1: important and and we appreciate the opportunity to get it out there. Yeah, thanks so much, Arms, because you know it's it's this this awareness, uh, you know, using social media, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Um, I'm still learning about social media myself because uh, I didn't grow up with it, but uh, thanks for your help tonight. And thank you to uh, the listeners and uh, to our wonderful team at Hiatus House. But really, it's the community support that I think gives um, all of the people that we serve the hope that change is possible. And and most importantly, you know, to create a better life for themselves where they are not, you know, fearful of, you know, uh, living in a, in a violent, abusive relationship, but really living their lives. and uh, in a healthy, uh, violent free way is, uh, you know, our, our message to, uh, to everyone. And if you do need help to call us, um, at the 519-252-7781, um, helpline, and, um, that number is, uh, linked to the website. So thanks again.
0: Oh, well, my, my absolute pleasure. And, uh, it's always good to reconnect, uh, Uh, Again, with Maggie, again, I've I've worked with Maggie for over 10 years on various projects. So even longer than that, I think I don't want to age ourselves, Maggie, but it's always (laughs) good to reconnect with good people and uh, work with people that you love and you trust. And I would consider you very much in that category. So um, I want to just say thanks for spending some time with me tonight. And, uh, you know, hopefully people pick up on the show and uh, make sure to listen to the podcast after it's done. So again, all three of you, thank you very much. Looking forward to working with you down the road as well. So thanks for joining me.
3: Thanks, Arms. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bye. We appreciate it. Genevieve, Sylvie, and Maggie from the Hiatus House, just fantastic folks who are doing fantastic work within the Windsor Essex County community. And uh, the Hiatus House is such a vital resource for so many folks here in our region, too. So, hiatushouse.com is the website. They've got their big month coming up in the month of November. A couple of things for you to check out as well a full slate of activities from the Tree Lighting Square, ranging to the Amherstburg Christmas Parade, coming up on Saturday, November 27th. Uh, Watch for the Purple Float for the hiatus house as well. So don't forget, you can listen to the podcast. Check us out on Spotify too. And just before we wrap up the show, uh, speaking of events, we've got a really cool one for you to check out too for the Windsor-Essex County Humane. It can help us raise some funds for the Windsor-Essex County Humane Society. It's a spectacular thing coming up Saturday, October 30th at GMO Heritage Brewing. We've got a costume contest, live entertainment, for more. Pets are welcome. We'd love to see you at the Devil's Masquerade. $20 per person for the Humane Society at GL Heritage Brewing in Amherstburg. windsorhumane.org for more information. It's going to be an awesome time on Devil's Night, Saturday, October 30th, 2021, which will be here in just a few couple of weeks. So hopefully you can join us and uh, celebrate the season of Halloween. Halloween with the Windsor Essex County Humane Society also want to remind folks too that if you are so inclined if you're a local photographer you can share your shots with me I'm asking local photographers to send your photos and get them featured on my daily weather forecast on social media you can tag at arms boom and like or send those photos to me and Facebook messenger or Instagram and we'll get those on our social media feeds so have a great rest of the week I will see you back here Tuesday night with Professor Pizza or Professor Zaw himself Dean from Armando's, and we're going to talk about pizza, the culinary scene in Windsor-Essex, and more. Thanks for watching another edition of the Arms Boom and Leg Project, we'll see you next week.